more than 20 million jobs gone, 10 years of job gains wiped out in just two months, the largest one-month employment loss on record. Hello, everyone. I'm CNN senior political reporter Nia Malika Henderson in for David Chalian. This is The Daily D.C. Friday brought even more devastating economic news with an official unemployment rate of 14.7%. Now, that is the highest number since that stat began being tracked in 1948, but these numbers, they might not even tell the whole story. I want you to take a listen to Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin get asked about this yesterday on Fox News. So aren't we talking close to 25% at this point, which is Great Depression neighborhood? Chris, we could be, but let me just emphasize, uh, unlike the Great Depression where you had economic issues that led to this, we closed down the economy. The reported numbers are probably going to get worse before they get better, but that's why we're focused on rebuilding this economy. But despite those warnings from within his own administration, President Trump, he is sounding an optimistic note and saying that those jobs are going to be back. The strongest economy in the history of the world, the strongest economy we've ever had, and we had to close it, which is artificial. We artificially closed it. Those jobs will all be back, and they'll be back very soon. And next year, we're going to have a phenomenal year. Joining me now to break this all down, we've got Washington Post economic columnist Catherine Rampell. Catherine, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Now, Catherine, I got to say, when these numbers came out on Friday morning, I just felt a sense of dread and just a sense of devastation about where the country is right now. In our lifetimes, we haven't heard 14.7% unemployment. Can you put this number into some historical context? Well, as you noted, this is the highest number on record. It is likely the highest number since the Great Depression, uh, when we had unemployment around 25%. And it's just mind-bogglingly huge. To give you some sort of context to wrap your head around it, the number of, of officially unemployed people, which excludes a lot of people who probably should be counted as unemployed, is about 23 million. And that's the equivalent of the entire population of Florida or the working age population of Canada. So just imagine all of those people, all of those workers idled uh, because they're unable to go to their jobs right now. The 23 million, that's the full picture of unemployed. People in no, actually, it is only really a subset. It's the, it's technically the number that the Labor Department reports, but it excludes a fair number of people who are also experiencing a lot of economic pain. So it excludes people who are out of work, but they're not currently looking for work and they and they want a job. Uh, you know, they're called the marginally attached or some, some of them are called discouraged workers. So those people are not officially counted as unemployed unless they are actively looking for work. It excludes people who would like to be working full-time, but instead are working part-time because they can't get the hours. It excludes people who um, probably the Bureau of Labor Statistics thinks that they accidentally miscoded meaning that they're counted as employed, but they're not at work for so-called other reasons. It's basically just like a, a, a technical issue that they're dealing with. So if you add in all of those additional groups of people, um, the total is probably something closer to 40 million um, who are feeling either, you know, the pain of, of being out of work entirely or not or being underemployed because they're not able to get the hours that they need. So it, it's a huge pool of people. 
So the actual number is actually worse. And people feel this, obviously, in their daily lives. I've got friends who don't have jobs at this point or, and are worried and trying to file for unemployment. And we're obviously right in the middle of still fighting this virus. And there is a sense that some of this may be temporary. And some of these folks, if you look at some of the data on this and some of the polling folks who are unemployed now, do sound optimistic about being rehired, as optimistic as the president does, in fact. If you look at what share of people who are, again, counted as officially unemployed say that they're only on a temporary layoff, it's very high. It's about three quarters of people who are who are out of work say it's it's temporary. They expect to be rehired. The real question is, while that's certainly an uplifting share and it, it is a cause for encouragement, how many of those temporary layoffs may ultimately convert into permanent ones? And that's obviously what we're trying to prevent at this point. We want these these firms to still be around and to be able to rehire their workers. But it's just so hard to tell right now what kind of shape companies will be in um, once we come back to something even approaching normal. And I know we've talked about a lot of uh, numbers and really bad numbers that paint a real terrible picture of, of where things are. Are things going to get worse before they get better? And, and how bad do you see things getting? It certainly seems likely that the pain will persist and that there will be more layoffs uh, that will be reflected on next month's jobs report. Uh, exactly what that magnitude is, we don't know. It's dependent on so many different variables that are hard to tell right now, including how many people are still getting sick, right? I mean, we have some uh, ramp up in testing, but not adequate testing. It also matters even if states decide to lift their lockdowns, whether consumers and workers will still feel comfortable going out. There's a bunch of data to suggest that People uh, scaled back their economic ac economic activity, meaning how much they went out shopping or, or how many hours they were able to work, um, even before they were given state or local orders to stop. So the question is, even if those orders lift, will people actually go back to work or will we continue to see consumers um, resistant to going out, workers unable to go back to their jobs. And so you'll have more layoffs or more persistent layoffs of, of the, uh, the, you know, the ones we've already had already. So um, I think we should expect more pain, even the White House, which has um, taken a distinctly Pollyannish view on basically every possible metric, whether we're talking about the number of infections or the number of jobs lost, even they are saying, yeah, things will likely get worse. Uh, expect higher numbers next time around. And that seems like a totally reasonable view. Um, I think that they're still probably being too optimistic about how quickly the economy will be able to bounce back. So, um, you know, there are reasons to be concerned. And, and I think hopefully motivating reasons for Congress to take more action at this point. Right. And part of this, of course, is people, as, as you talked about, aren't comfortable at this point going back to a restaurant, sending their kids to daycare because the health situation is still so precarious. And it's clear uh, that the White House hasn't figured out a sort of top-down strategy to deal with all of this. We had the president 
he was retweeting a bunch this past weekend. And, and one of the things he tweeted about was his own properties reopening, I believe one in California. And he, of course, has a political interest in this, uh, as well as an economic interest, because he's got this uh, real estate portfolio all across the country. How have his businesses been hit, particularly by this crisis? Have they been hit particularly hard at all? See, around now would be exactly the kind of moment when you'd really want to see Trump's tax returns. Right. <laughs> so you could have a sense. Good luck with or, that. Or, yeah, exactly. Or any other financial documents for that matter, which obviously he has been uh, safeguarding um, throughout both the presidency and the campaign preceding the presidency. Uh, we don't know to what extent he is crafting uh, executive branch policy in the interests of the public or in his own narrow financial interests. But he has said explicitly that his properties have been shut down, they have been hurt, and that would be consistent with what's happened across his industry in the leisure and hospitality industry that he participates in. You know, he runs golf courses, hotels, he has little eating establishments at some of his properties, things like that. They have actually seen about half of their jobs disappear basically overnight. We've wiped out all of the job gains in leisure and hospitality going back to 1988. Um, and, you know, one might remark Massive um, losses. that Trump— Lots of losses. Look, Trump always wanted to uh, take us back to the 80s, but maybe not exactly <laughs> in this respect. Um, but, yeah, I mean, his whole industry is suffering, no doubt— uh, his specific properties that he claims to have no day-to-day -day involvement in and yet is still tweeting about them uh, have been suffering as well. So we don't know to what extent that's influencing the kinds of policies he's crafting. I, I tend to think that uh, his bigger concern is that he, just like a fundamental misunderstanding of what's going to be good for economic activity, he thinks, and therefore his political fortunes, um, as opposed to, you know, he wants more money out of some particular golf course. Um, but those things are obviously interrelated. And some economists, the chief economist at, at Moody's told Politico that he thinks it's going to take until mid-decade before the economy is back to full employment. That is a dire forecast. What's your sense? Is that how long you think this could last? Again, it's so hard to know because there's so many unknowns about the virus itself. There's so many unknowns about how people are going to react to the threat of the virus. But it certainly seems plausible that it could take that long, given the forecasts that we've seen, not just from Moody's, but from Goldman Sachs or the Congressional Budget Offices or other independent forecasters, and given what we saw during the Great Recession. So the Great Recession obviously was caused by a different kind of shock. It was caused by a financial crisis. But it took something like, I think, seven years um, before we, we regained the jobs that we had lost during the Great Recession. And the number of job losses that we have now and the, the unemployment rate that we have now just completely dwarfs what we saw then. But I think there are a number of reasons to worry that the economic pain caused by what started as a public health crisis could long outlast that public health crisis. So even if we get this epidemic under control. Even if um, there's a I, vaccine, even if there's even antivirals if there's in the next three right. years. Or, I mean, they're yeah. all of, there are all of these possible knock-on effects that we haven't really considered, including the fact, for example, that states are like running out of money. Um, and again, this is something that we saw during the Great Recession. States had these huge budget shortfalls, and then it created this vicious cycle of state layoffs of teachers and cops and firefighters and you know other employees 
cutbacks in services, which kicked the pain forward uh, for people both in those industries, in those jobs, as well as the the regular constituents that they serve. Um, So the initial shock had these long-lasting consequences. Then you could imagine the same thing happening now, which is part of the reason why you really want Congress to be proactive and to, and to take lessons from what happened before. So, Catherine, you talked about Congress and Congress being proactive, and we've seen Congress be somewhat proactive, pumping trillions of dollars in into the economy, and there is some talk now about some uh, additional money going to states and local uh, governments in particular. That's from, from Democrats, and you have the White House essentially saying, let's see how the money that has been pumped into the economy so far, let's see what happens with that. What's your sense of where things will go? Will they they come to some agreement as to what needs to happen next? Well, I certainly hope so. I am not optimistic because Trump said last week we're in no rush to have more money coming out. McConnell has made similar comments over the weekend. uh, Trump's economic advisors, Mnuchin, Hassett, Kudlow, also said something to the effect of, let's just wait and see. And I don't know if this is just political posturing to try to get, to extract more concessions out of Democrats who, you know, very much want this aid. But even if it is, it could severely hurt not only Democratic voters, of course, but Republican voters too, because red states are also facing budget crises. So I very much hope that they get their acts together and that they pass further rounds of stimulus, which again, um, economists generally seem to think that we need given the way things are heading. But it's, it's very hard to know what will happen, especially given that one party has basically shown that they're willing to shoot the hostages, right? That they're willing to walk away from the table and say, eh, maybe we don't need more aid to states. Maybe we don't need to extend unemployment benefits, which are currently set to sunset um, in a couple of months. Um, but they, they really need to get their act together if, they're cons- if they actually care about uh, limiting the duration of this economic pain. And you have a very specific idea about what their approach should be. Talk about that. So this is not unique to me, but economists generally like the the idea of programs called automatic stabilizers. That's just a fancy word for programs that kind of kick in automatically without Congress having to lift a finger. The idea being, you know, when when the economy tanks, people automatically become eligible for unemployment benefits or food stamps or states automatically get more Medicaid money or whatever. Um, this is, you know, this is a long-standing idea. Probably more of our economic policy should be on an automatic stabilizer type model, meaning that, like, if the unemployment rate hits a certain level, automatically, without without Congress having to vote, you get an extension in um, the duration of unemployment benefit weeks or, or whatever. Nancy Pelosi last week sort of endorsed the idea of, of putting this in the next round of negotiations. Um, of course, if you're McConnell, uh, for example, you may not want these sorts of automatic programs to kick in because it robs you of a moment to, you know, demand concessions in exchange for your vote on some sort of must-pass legislation. And of course, in the coming days, we'll hear from the White House, we'll hear from folks on the Hill, particularly the Democrats who are trying to cobble together a kind of FDR-style rescue bailout package for uh, states and and local uh, governments. So, So we'll see. Listen, Catherine, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and a 
special thanks to our listeners as well. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight, so please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, please consider leaving a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. And if you want to tweet about this podcast, please do so using the hashtag TheDailyDC. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.